Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Welcome to another episode of Something for the Turbo. I'm your host, Jules. I hope you're all well wherever you are listening in the world. And if you haven't yet, I'm going to ask again, please make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. And if you're new to the podcast, go back and check out some of our previous fantastic episodes with cycling personalities from around the world. And if you haven't done it yet, make sure you get onto the App Store or Google Play and download the Unfound app. There you can join the global community of cyclists. It's free to register and you can get on there and share rides and photos and stories and articles and connect with cyclists from around the world. And also, yet again, I'm going to give a shout out to Roebuck Estates. This is a non-paid advert. They're just friends of Unfound and, well, I'm looking after you all listening. Get yourself some Roebuck Estates this festive period. Go onto their website, www.roebuckestates.co.uk, and you can find all sorts of festive season offers on there. If you are not in the UK and further afield, they do have distributors elsewhere. So if you drop them an email, I'm sure they'll be glad to help you locate some of their wonderful English sparkling wine. Anyway, today I had a brilliant conversation and I really enjoyed catching up with my old friend Chris Reynolds. Chris works with Champion Systems and we talked about all sorts of stuff today. He's just completed seven races in seven days. He talks us through the Sydney cycling scene, opportunities to race every day, how it differs from Melbourne. We discuss cycling in Hong Kong and racing in Hong Kong, but also we discuss his day job, working with world tour teams, going on off-season training camps with some of the pros, some of the things he's seen along the way. And also we get his views on professional cycling and how it's going to evolve over the next few years or how it could potentially evolve over the next few years. Anyway, let's crack on with it because it's a really interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. And without further ado, here's Chris Reynolds. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you? Well? Jules, I'm going well, mate. Not too bad at all. Cannot complain. Uh, we've been very jealous to see your you up and racing over in Sydney. It's uh, everyone. What's been going on? You, you did seven races in seven days last week, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I guess you know down in Australia we've been we've been pretty lucky with the uh, the whole COVID deal, and you know especially in uh, in Sydney where I've been uh, based here for a while. You know we're we're sort of able to get out and about and you know do general general stuff but from the cycling scene racing at least local racing has been um open for you know for for a few weeks now and um it's a bit of a thing here in in sydney that um when summer hits it's just it's criterium season and um uh, there's an opportunity to race you know in a number of different locations locations pretty much any day um and so yeah i decided i'd um give myself a bit of a challenge have a bit of a crack and um attempt to do seven uh crit races in in seven days so yeah that's that's i uh, just finished that up last week superb and how did you get on yeah not too bad i mean it, you know the thing with um with any sort of race I, I i did struggle a bit on a couple of events especially as it got later in the week um i think you know i'm not as young as i used to be um certainly and probably not as fit as i as i once was but i guess that's a good thing about the racing uh, here in sydney is that you know there's different grades you, you race from a grade to d grade there's female racing um and look in some of these races they're getting 120 130 people there uh on a tuesday night for example yeah so you know they're really well organized they're really well attended by the by the local the local uh, bike racing uh, community and um, yeah they're pretty they're pretty popular yeah, very cool i'm kind of fascinated just around different sort of cycling communities and, and cultures mm. around yeah. the world obviously you you were out of sydney for a number of years up in up in hong kong where i was 
Uh, talk us through getting back to Sydney and reintegrating into the local scene there and, and mm. give us a bit of a, for people that don't know it, tell us a little bit more around the sort of Sydney cycling culture. Sure. Um, look, I think for me, I'm involved in the cycling industry from a, um, a, you know, a job perspective. So even though I was based up in Hong Kong for quite a time, I was traveling pretty regularly back into uh, Australia and Sydney in particular. So I, I guess I still had my my toe in in regards to um, the racing scene but you know it is it is funny this the same the same old faces and the same people that you know I was racing with 15 20 years ago here in Sydney are, are still uh, are still racing here now uh, just a little bit older and obviously in in different grades but um, I think you know the cycling community in Sydney is think is pretty strong you know there is different factions i'll I'll say like you've got your people from down south you've got the city center people you've got your people on the north side but you know they all travel they all cruise around sydney to to attend you know these races uh, on a weekly basis and most of them are in the evening so you know you'll finish work and you know throw the bike in the car or jump on the bike and you head out to wherever and then you know hit a race and go and have dinner and go to bed I guess so yeah look it's an interesting community in Sydney um, and I think a lot of people that ride in Sydney also do do race you know so it's it's pretty well pretty well a, a major part of cycling here yeah and that's kind of interesting because i don't think that's necessarily the case the world over in fact when i had graham bartlett on from velon he's saying that's one of their biggest challenges is that that there are so many people cycling but a lot of people either don't race and, and then don't follow racing as well so it's a big yeah. challenge for them to try and address that yeah i mean look that, that's it, what's interesting about it here in sydney is that and i, I, was, I think i wanted to touch on this is that all of these races are run by, you know, volunteers, and but it's pushed by the club. So each night of racing is hosted by a local club. So whether it be, um, you know, Eastern Suburbs Cycling Club out at Heffron Park, or it might be a Ramway Botany Club uh, on a Saturday afternoon at Heffron or wherever, each each one of these um, each one of these events are hosted by a local a local club. And I think that that's what's what's really cool about it is that you've got these volunteers who are giving up their you know their evenings or, or their weekends to to host this racing for you know a bunch of <laughs> amateur cyclists to to ride around a, a track and it, it's pretty humbling. It's actually it's really really good community spirit. Yeah. You know, there's one actually on probably right now actually at um, down south in uh, in Sutherland and you know they've got food trucks down there. They sell beer. They got burgers and they you know they invite the family along and you know it's the idea is to get down there and have a bit of a uh, of an outing as well as watching a bit of bike racing which is which is cool yeah it definitely feels quite different to to anything i've seen sort of seeing a bit of it just very organized in sydney as well that's what i've noticed obviously i went out a couple of times with with ranwick botany when i was over yeah. there last but it seems very organized compared to what i've seen elsewhere um yeah look again of course there's groups there's individual groups that ride around but again the, the focus is the the club thing and and um there will be really well organized club rides and generally you know most mornings those clubs will have multiple rides so you know like an a group a group a b group you know someone's doing hills someone else is doing sprints you know a lot of clubs have um brought in uh coaches to the club as well and they'll be running coaching sessions in yeah in centennial park or wherever and again this is all focused on on uh you know on racing or you know, maybe it's a big event coming up at Grand Fondo or what have you. But yeah, it's quite it's quite well structured and organised, as you said. Yeah, very cool. And you've obviously been very fortunate to travel quite a bit. How does the scene in in Sydney differ to what you've seen in Melbourne? In Melbourne, oh, look, I think Melbourne is a, is um, it, it's 
Melbourne's got a really strong racing scene as well. Um, you know, they they have a similar sort of thing where in the in the in the summer you can you can do a lot of crit racing in the in the evening during the week on the weekends. But uh, I don't know. There's a. I mean, I'm a Sydney sider from. Uh, I was born and raised uh, in Sydney, and there's that. There's still that bit of a, a natural. Uh, how do I say? Uh, disdain for people for people in melbourne and what they do down there uh, and vice versa it's a friendly uh friendly sort of rivalry but, <laughs> hey yeah yeah so, yeah yeah so i mean you know they they just do th- things differently there um you know the way uh, the different rides that they have but again i do you know in all seriousness it, it is similar in that they do um, everything is focused around, you know, around the clubs. You know, Hawthorne's a big club down there, uh, Carnegie, Carnegie Caulfield. Like these sort of clubs really push cycling and, and they're the ones who are, you know, fostering um, the future of cycling, um, you know, in, in those states. So, yeah, while there is a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of rivalry, it's all, it's all good fun. So, so go, going back a little bit, you, you mentioned uh, briefly that, that obviously you've been lucky enough to work in, in the cycling industry. Tell us a little bit about your your background professionally and, and what you do and you're originally in the army right that was uh yeah yeah so uh well going back way back i was once i got out of um school i, I went and joined um uh, the military in the army uh, i was at the, the defense academy here and then the military college which i think is same as sandhurst over there and yeah so i did five or six years in the in the military and had a few injuries and, and wasn't able to to continue and sort of floated around a little bit i was playing a fairly decent level of, of rugby, I guess, back then. And, you know, all those, um, you know, all the wear and tear, I guess, from the from the army and also uh, the rugby stuff sort of put a bit of a strain on my body. And it ended up being that I started cycling because it was one of the only sports that I could do that, um, you know, that didn't that didn't break me anymore. So, um, yeah, so I started doing that and I, and I sort of, I fell into a, um, and it's funny, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a cycle because I link it back again to the, to the clubs. I actually went on the internet and I um, typed in, you know, local cycling clubs. Uh, and in fact, it was a uh, Ramy Botany back, back in the day. And oh, really? So, yeah, send them an email and they said, hey, come along tomorrow at this, you know, ex, uh, I think it was the Ramwick Gates at Centennial. And they they really helped me. They they got me, you know, started on what I needed to do, you know, all the stuff that uh, beginner cyclists have got no idea about. Yes. Yeah, and they got me started and that, that really started my, um, I guess, my trip down the cycling uh, path at that stage. Yeah. And, how, and then the thing came into work as well. How did that come about? Yeah, so again, same thing. Like, and, and this is what's funny about cycling is that, you know, as you know, you meet so many people when you're, when you're riding the bike, whether it's in a club or a group ride or a bunch ride or whatever. And, you know, cycling really breaks down those barriers. And I was in a few bunches with Ramick and talking to some people. And um, I actually got to meet the owner of a company called FRF, who uh, at the time were importing Conago bikes, um, Argon, and, and a few other little bits and pieces. And so I got introduced to him and, and, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up started working for those guys. On a side note, that person, Frank, he is the owner of, um, uh, Bike Bug now, which is probably the biggest online platform in the Asia Pacific. It's big, uh, pretty big deal. Started working for those guys. And that's really what sort of started the whole, um, cycling passion and understanding a little bit more about the industry. So I was working there. Uh, in the wholesale side for for a couple of years, and then um, you know if I keep sort of fast forward a little bit, what what 
actually happened. And again, it's just it's just now I'm thinking about it. It's crazy the 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 links and the people that you meet uh, through cycling. But that company, we had uh, Australia's first sort of um, I think first pro Conti team. Um, this is way back in 2007 or 2006, 2007. And uh, they got um, the team got a, a sponsorship, a clothing sponsorship from a, a group called champion system and um so we're all here in, in sydney in australia going who who's champion system like who, who are these guys and uh turned out it was um it had been the owner of that company lewis she who i think you've met a couple of times jules and he um he was working with with frank to um you know start some business in australia and to generate a bit of interest in the brand and that's how I got introduced into um, into Champion System back in 2000, 2007. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then fast forwarding, I, I got um, I, I got an opportunity to head up to Hong Kong with my uh, my my wife at the time. She's in in finance and got an opportunity to say, "Hey, you want to come to Hong Kong?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's try that." Contacted Lewis and said, "Hey, you know, I'm heading up there. Can we have a chat?" And he said, "Look, it's perfect timing. I'm looking to expand the business into Australia and elsewhere." Do you want to um, jump onto that? And Thank I said you. yes. So yeah, that's yeah. how that all started. That's how it all, I didn't realize that's how it all came about. And you know, from you've obviously seen a, a meteoric growth in the sport during the time mm. that you've been involved in it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, it, it, it was uh, you know cycling was, and it, before that, like I, I was a, I was a, a fan of um, of cycling, and, that, and and it was very hard to I don't know about. Like from Australia, it was difficult to see cycling. I mean, sure, you had the Tour de France, but it wasn't like, you know, live coverage every night like it is now. It was sort of snippets you got here and there. But there was yeah. no, um, you know, there was no coverage of the uh, of the uh, spring classics or any of that sort of stuff. It was it was all very much um, a, lo- a lot less than what it is now. And, yeah, since then, the, the sport has, has absolutely exploded. And, you know, I think a, a lot of that's to do with you know some of the personalities that that we had oh, you know during the the the, the mid two thousands into late two thousands and it's um yeah the sport has 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 exploded and grown it's and it's been great it, the sport has come so far it's actually really interesting to look back to even you know fifteen years ago to see where it was and you know even in uh, in a country like Australia where now you look at the Tour Down Under and it is a massive massive event. Um, and not just for, for cyclists. It used to be just for cyclists. It used to be you'd go down to Adelaide, you know, and if you were a cycling fan and you'd go, now people go down there just because it's an event and it's a really, really big deal. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see the growth of, of cycling in, in Australia specifically. Yeah. And also you, you oversaw massive growth with Champion System during that time yeah. as well, right? I mean, and obviously ended up working with the World Tour. So tell us about the journey you've, you've had with them. Um, yeah. So the we oh, I'm just trying to think back. We we were working for a couple of years um, prior to really jumping full on. Like we think we jumped full on into the World Tour in 2000. 13 so prior to that we were pushing along we were moving along and 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 the business and 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 the industry you know and champsies does the custom custom clothing but that whole industry had exploded like it, it was just it had gone crazy um and so we were riding that that wave at the time which was which was great but we wanted to we wanted to take that that next step we wanted to go a little bit further and what we had done before the world tour team is that we had actually tried to well, not tried we did we we created our own pro conti team uh, that was called uh, team champion system we even had um 
Jan Kosapu was riding for us there one year. So um, we had that that team, and that was our first foray into really professional, like professional level cycling. And the whole idea behind it really was, sure, you want to you want to have a, a your brand exposed at the at the top level, and you want to have your brand up there. But really, for us, the the whole mantra was about having professional uh, level clothing that could then be sold to a, a club or a team anywhere around the world yeah you know and, so you can have the same kit as the pros basically yeah and, and 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 look that sort of gets bandied around a little bit but the what we wanted to 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 prove i guess was that it literally is the same jersey as what you know whoever is riding at that level is what you know you're riding with with your local club and and, and we took it pretty seriously as you have to but it was all about developing product and developing their technologies and and developing um, product that could be used at that level but then was then available for for everyone else to to wear and that was the that was what sort of kicked it off the whole idea but um yeah the, uh, 2000 um, i think it was 2013 when um we we decided we're going to we're going to take the plunge and go into the world tour uh with the which is what was then called the team uh, team Lamprey. Um, with, okay. um, yeah, so that, and that was um, obviously a, at that time I think it was the longest running cycling team, like from a sponsorship perspective. Lamprey had supported these guys for you know over twenty years. Very famous Italian team. Uh, Giuseppe Cerrone was the was the you know the, the general manager. So you know it was pretty it was pretty awesome to be involved with those guys and. The I remember we went to the the World Championships in Florence, and this was the this was the year before we we had started. We'd signed all the contracts, everything was ready to go ahead. We're you know we're we're ready to go for the following year, and we went to the World Championships in Florence. We got invited onto the team bus, and um, that was the day that Rui Costa won the won the Worlds for Portugal, and he was signed to ride with Lamprey for the following year. So we're like, this is the greatest start we could ever have. We've got the world champion riding our kit in our first year in the, yeah. in the world tour. So it was a pretty amazing start to the journey. That's fantastic. And and yeah. just in terms of your, your experience, I mean, how closely do you work with the teams as a kit provider and, and how does that work? Yeah, look, it, it, you, what generally happens towards the, after the tour um, is sort of when everyone starts making plans for the, for the following year. So, what we'll tend to do is talk with the team, discuss, you know, what they're looking at, you know, what sort of um, changes or updates or um, ideas that they're looking for for the following year. Uh, yeah. And then we'll start working on that with some, um, you know, I guess, um, prototypes. So the last couple of years, the push has really been for aerodynamics and, you know, super tight uh, fitting clothing because, the guys, you know, in the team now, they understand that that's, that's super important. So they're always focusing on that sort of thing. So we do some prototypes and we might send over a couple of test things for the guys to use or to wear and, and see what they like. But the, the work really starts, <clears throat> kicks off when the whole team comes to a training camp towards the end of the year. And what happens there is that you've got the riders that are still riding for other trade teams and they arrive right. and yeah, it's the first time that sort of everyone gets together. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. Yeah, so then that's when you'll have a chance to sort of sit down with each rider, and that's what we do. We'll sit down with each rider. We'll we'll talk to them. You know, some like to wear jerseys and bib shorts. Others like to wear skin suits the whole time. That's all that they want. Um, you've got time trialists who need, um, you know, special TT suits. 
Um, there's considerations to take into account for weight, for example. Like you've got a time trialist who's got an event, you know, towards the start of the year and then he wants to be informed for the tour. That's two different suits because they're three or four kilo, kilos different uh, in weight. Wow, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's those sort of things to take into account. I mean, we're taking um, uh, specific measurements. Like I remember Fabio Aru a couple of years ago, he was a different size jersey that he was to, to his shorts. Um, you know, he, he wanted specific length on his on his bib shorts. He wanted specific length on his arms and you know, these guys are pros, so you, you do what you have to do to, to fulfill uh, their requirements. So, yeah, we would take all those measures, we would do all that stuff, and then we would, you know, we would take that back and we'd, we'd get, uh, you know, we'd get literally making the, the product. And it, it was always a fairly stressful time for us exactly around this time of year, Christmas, New Year, because that would be when, you know, because the first events are mid, mid-January. So Tour de Arana yeah. um, and Argentina normally. And so... You know, you're making stuff over the Christmas New Year period, and you're shipping it out to wherever so that they can, um, you know, start the start the year uh, in the in their new kit. So yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty full on sort of few months. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of work involved, but um, you know, it's obviously pretty rewarding as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've always try you were always trying to innovate as well i remember you guys trialed the the zipless jersey didn't you i remember yeah. seeing dan martin wearing that for a while yeah yeah and, and look you know you look back at it now you think oh yeah that was interesting but the, it was all about at that stage it was all about how do we uh you know how do we save weight and how do we how do we uh innovate and it was interesting is that one of the um one of the ds he would always say oh look I don't understand why the riders unzip their jerseys when they're going up the, you know, up a climb. Because you know these guys are doing, depending on what climb it is, they're doing like 30k an hour. There's, there's a certain aerodynamic uh, benefit. Yeah. yeah. So and and the other thing is like, and plus you know the riders don't necessarily understand that sponsors are paying you know millions of dollars, and so when their jersey's flapping in the wind, you know that's um, you know they're losing you know they're losing money there. So we said we sort of took a simple approach at it and just said, look, why don't we why don't we look at trying to get rid of the zipper? So we we did that. We made it from a really, really super lightweight material so that they wouldn't uh, suffer from many of the heat uh, side effects. And um, I think Dan Martin won a stage in it on uh, stage six, I think 2018, I think it was, that he won. So, yeah, look, it, it, it worked. And true to our word, that product was available to sell uh, to our clubs and teams immediately. And, um, you know, and, and it did so. So, yeah, it was cool. That's a a good example of the sort of stuff we try to do yeah and, and more and more riders wearing skin suits now over bibs and yeah. bibs and jerseys yeah 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 and, and it seems it seems to be the younger generation and i, I think it's you know there's, it's too too pronged you know a skin suit when it's fitted well and it's nice it, it definitely is more comfortable yeah. you know in those longer stages but also you know it's it's there's a much bigger aerodynamic advantage when you're when you're in a skin suit as opposed to a you know a jersey and a um, a pair of bibs so most of the guys understand that and they'll they wear you know suits as much as they can yeah very interesting and and you've been fortunate enough to to get to some of these pre-season trips as well haven't you to talk us through some of the trips you've done with the team and what it's like to see i suppose through the looking glass of of the the mysterious world of pro riding <laughs> yeah it's um it is interesting uh, i i remember i went to one a couple of years ago uh in uh in spain and it's the one thing that struck struck me is that it's it is very very structured. It's almost like to me it was like being in the military. It's like hey, really? we're getting up, 
yeah, we're getting up at eight. Um, breakfast is, you know, eight thirty. Each rider will, will probably have their own dietary requirements. So they might be on a special diet, like whether they're trying to lose weight, gain weight or whatever, you know, so that'll be all mapped out. Um, then it's like 10 o'clock. Let's, let's start. And, you know, off they go. We're doing, uh, six hours and the first hour is this and blah, 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 blah. And, and everything's mapped out very, 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 uh, clearly. And that, that really struck me. It's like these guys, they really are just paid to ride their bike. They don't have to do a lot of thought, at least at the, uh, in a training camp. I'm sure it's different outside of that. But yeah, that's one thing that struck me. It's very, very, very structured. And, um, but, you know, they're all, they all take it very seriously and I, I you know obviously that's what we would expect but um you know it, it really is a job um they're they're on they're on the on the case of the whole time and you know especially at a training camp like they'll be with us doing clothing fittings and and then they might be with um you know the bike sponsor getting fitted for their time trial bike um then they might have the shoe guy you know molding their their feet for the shoes then they might have a media, you know, a media thing that they need to do. And then they're sitting down with, um, the DS planning out their, you know, their season and what events they're going to ride and what races they're going to be doing. So yeah, it's pretty full on from a, a, I guess a reality standpoint. I, I remember, um, going on a ride, uh, with the, the sprinter group. And this was the first year that Gaviria had joined. So he, he was still riding in his, um, quick, quick step gear. Anyway. So I'm, I'm riding with a sprinter group and um, at the time I was, you know, I'm not an elite athlete by any stretch, but, uh, you know, I was relatively fit. And uh, we started this ride. I was about an hour in on the flat and I was like, okay, this is not too bad. And then the the percentage uh, just kicked up a little bit. I'm talking like two or three percent. And at the time, Gaviria was on the front. He's there chatting, you know, zipping off his jacket, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, this is uh, this is starting to hurt me a fair bit. <laughs> I'm watching the watching the watts go up on like 300 400 and within you know a couple of minutes on this small climb i was i was straight out the back like hard and uh it, it was a, a a pretty uh honest reminder about just how good you know these guys are they just come off an off season you know straight in straight on the bike and you know totally totally blew me away so um yeah they they really are an, a, a special uh, special breed of athlete different animals aren't they yeah and i mean did you get to see the sprinters sort of really take the handbrake off and go for it <laughs> not that particular stage another time um i did which was really quite fun another training camp this time it was in um abu dhabi so they used to do a lot of the stuff over there obviously the weather you know is hot but it's dry and it, it's pretty pretty decent and we were um we were doing a um an event with i think it was a local bike club there around um yas marina and we we're mucking around and um the guys started having a, a few little hit outs and i remember we're in a i guess like a lead out i guess so they were mucking around and but christoph came from behind me and hit it and i, I don't know how hard he was going but it was phenomenal uh, the acceleration yeah, yeah his acceleration i'm just like oh wow like um you know next next level it was a uh, pretty Pretty impressive. Fun. Oh, very cool. And, and I wanted to ask you about Christoph because you obviously must have been delighted to see him get yellow and win that stage of the tour this year. But what you've said is top, top guy, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of those guys, nothing really phases him, you know, so he's just like, yeah, we're going to go riding and he's just really chilled out. And he was probably one of the more, I'm not going to say normal, but he was just like a regular guy really? and I, I, I liked him because, you know, he's a bigger guy, um, more like a, a regular guy, I guess. 
uh, in terms of his size. But he, um, yeah, he's he's a nice guy, cool guy, good to talk to, um, fairly laid back. And yeah, it was great to see him um, see him have a, a good year this year because uh, you know he uh, he works hard and had a few good years there, and then a bit of a lean patch, but. Yeah, it's great to see him uh, have a have a good year this year and, and really um, really develop uh, as he's getting older. So it's great. Yeah, it's great. I was, I was, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because he he's one of those athletes that it's nice to hear that he's he's a good guy because he he kind of he rides like he's a good guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. very 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 respectful. You don't really you know he's not the sort of guy that people get angry at or whatever. He just cruises around and he's you know he's pretty good. Yeah. What's your just having worked within pro cycling and and seen some of the teams and stuff? What's your sort of general opinion of the sport and where it's at and and you know how it you think it needs to evolve over the next few years? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to to sort of make comment on that because I'm in the sport and I and I but. In saying that, I think that that's part of the problem. It's like, so cyclists, as you know, you, me, and, and people who are into cycling, we're, we're into cycling. We're cycling fans. We understand the racing. We understand what's going on. We understand what's happening. Yeah. What, what I what I think is part of the problem with that is that the audience, for, in order for cycling to grow and for it to pay for itself, basically, it needs to broaden its audience a whole lot more. And I just, it's not doing that right now, and I'm not sure if they're doing enough to make that that happen. So, I mean, I use the analogy of um, Formula One. I don't know if you're a Formula One fan or you know or or not, but you know, effectively, Formula One is pretty boring. You've just got these cars going around the circuit, and sure, they make lots of noise and whatever, but. You know, in effect, there's not a heap of stuff going on. They don't do a lot of overtaking these days. It's just fairly mundane. But what they've done is they've got they've got so much data on the TV screen when you're watching. Um, you know, this guy's top speed, G-force this, they're in the cockpit, you know, they've got the radios going, uh, the commentators are talking this up, they've got the splits on the screen on the left-hand side, um, you know, they've got everything, and they make it exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think as a passing a passerby, they can see that on the screen. Go, oh, yeah, okay, wow, this is cool. And, and they sort of they get into it, and they un, and they get to understand it, and they get to enjoy the sport a bit more. If you do the same thing for cycling, and you're halfway through, you know, Milan San Remo, <laughs> there's not much happening. There's not much going on. And I think if cycling can engage fans a bit more by you know, doing simple things like put more of the power data up, um, you know, put some more heart rate things on there, you know, do those sort of things, you know, metrics that we all know is available. And I think it could really engage a lot more people and sponsors and help to grow, you know, cycling in, in, in general, at least at the professional level. You know, if you're a passerby just looking, walking past the screen, watching a Formula One, it can, it drags you in. There's, there's information on there. There's something interesting. It's, it, they've made a, a fairly mundane sport interesting by adding all that data and i think that's what they need the path they need to go down for with cycling um by you know we all know the metrics that that make uh cycling interesting interesting so you know power numbers um you know heart rates um we could put in there how much energy they're burning um we can you know work out how how fast they need to go in order to catch the breakaway in front of them and all these all these things can be put on on the tv screen and you imagine if you had that and it was much more interactive you know inter- interactive camera angles between different riders in the bunch this all this stuff's available now like velen has been doing it and i think if we need to really embrace that more embrace that te- technology 
uh, to really you know make make cycling more relevant in today's market. Yeah, make it more understandable as well for people yeah. that don't race and, and and don't follow it. And I mean the other the, the other great thing Formula One did was was the Netflix Drive to Survive. I think that mm. brought sport to a lot of people because it gave accessibility and i think that's kind of key i think that i think we're starting to see that with some of the younger riders coming through now a little bit you know they get the the importance of social media and they've grown up with it so i think we're you know yeah. uh, like tyro gegenhart i think i think that i think we're going to see a shift in that i think they're going to get a little bit better but i think accessibility to the riders is is key to help growing the sport yeah i agree i mean and look and you look at you look at all sports that are at that level you know, the English Premier League, I mean, you know, having access to the players and whether it be interviews or, I don't know, what they're doing for Christmas or whatever the case may be, the fans really get behind that um, and they, yeah. they love it. And I think that that's something yeah. that we definitely do in, you know, in cycling. And the, the frustrating yeah, thing I, is I, that we've seen we've seen the technology. They, they it, it, it already exists. Yeah. So it's just applying it now. I mean, yeah. we're going back to the accessibility thing. I think it's obviously a generation thing a little bit, obviously growing up with social media. But I mean, I think if we go back a little bit further, obviously, historically, there'd been a, a bit of an emerter, as we know, around cycling. And I think even as the sport came out of that, I still think there was a bit of a hangover from that era in terms of how much can I say or how much can I show behind the scenes and do you know what I mean so I think yeah you know you still have riders in a new era that may not have been as as open and they hadn't grown up with social media so if we got younger riders coming through now who, who get the importance of it and see it through football and other sports as well hopefully that will sort of drive a bit of a shift yeah I, I would agree with that I, I mean I think there's still there still is that that a bit of that stigma uh around cycling which which is unfortunate, but again, you know, our the people, well, the 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 organisations within cycling don't do a lot to help themselves in regards to that either. So, no. you know, I think it's definitely in a better better place than it was even you know five years ago. Um, and I, ho- I hope it continues to do so because you know it is it is a great sport and and it is one of those sports where traditionalists can sit there and watch a tour stage and understand what's going on, but. We can bring those other other people into the sport who may not be uh, as well versed as what's what's happening, and I think it's those people that can help it, help it really grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I'm not sure. I think I read yesterday that that Mitchelton Scott have decided to withdraw from Bellon. What do you make of that? Because I mean, as a team themselves, they've always been very good from a sort of fan base engagement perspective. Yeah. Obviously, with Backstage Pass originally, and and they've they've kind of been an outlier in terms of how they they've sort of captured their community particularly over in Australia right what what are your views in terms of that side of thing and what teams need to do and maybe what Velon need to do you know Velon when they came into into the pro peloton they you know they had a lot of um you know technology and a lot of interesting things that um they were doing and I think teams well a lot of teams not all but a lot of teams jumped on that bandwagon but you know I think if if we're talking about from a a what um, Mitchells and Scott's doing from a you know, marketing and sort of social media perspective these days, I think they could probably do a better job of that by themselves. Like it's not, it's not something yeah. that you need, you need a, uh, a vehicle like Bellon to do. So they may, they may feel that they can get better value out of doing it themselves and not having to just join that, that model that, that Bellon uh, proposes. You know, I'm not sure. It, it is an interesting it is an interesting thing, and it's another example of, of pro cycling being pretty fractured when it when it comes to that you know that sort of thing, which is which is a shame. Yeah, that, that, I agree. I mean, because I think that was a good thing about Velon. It sort of brought 
most of the teams together with with sort of one one goal. But then I think they kind of struggled. Obviously, it's, it's a real shame with regards to the, their struggle with the UCI and, and the Hammer series. But they, I think yeah. they kind of struggled. Basically, there's a disconnect somewhere between some of the great content that they were producing and their audience. And I, and I don't know whether Mitchell and Scott feel that they can they can fill that void themselves doing it themselves. So probably that's the case, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, as I said, it, it's, you know, the sort of budget that a team like Mitchell and Scott's got, you know, they, they should have enough backing to, to really produce some quality content um, and some different things that um, maybe Velon you know, wasn't willing to do or was one was unable to do for them. So, yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see what they come up with next year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and with regards to um, again from from you were supplying the the kits, like on the other side of the coin, like did you feel as a business that that you were getting value for money in terms of the investment you were putting into the teams? Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting question. I I think I honestly think it varies dependent on the company that you are, whether it be clothing or uh, you know or bikes or shoes or whatever. You know, it's it's difficult to. Well, at least in our case, it was very difficult to, you know, judge exactly how much benefit we gained um, from from the relationship. You know, I guess if because it's important to note that you know we are purely custom, so that's all that we do. You know, we don't have, um, you know, a retail line, and our stuff is generally not in uh, shops. Whereas a lot of manufacturers of clothing will have a distribution and retail chain set in place. And they could, you know, leverage that to sell, you know, clothing, whether it be protein clothing or generic retail clothing. So I think their pathway for a bit of ROI on, you know, on uh, sponsorship is maybe a little bit clearer. Um, whereas for us, it was really just about um, brand exposure and association and and product development. So yeah, yeah, the, the product development bit. I suppose like Formula One, you were the engine supplier almost. Do you know what I mean? You were, you were yeah, exactly, exactly. Then, out at the top level. 100%. And then what's interesting is that, you know, things that come from Formula One always go down into, um, you know, into the, the, the cars that we drive around, you know, on the road. So, yeah, and that was the idea. You try to sort of push ourselves, use that technology and have that flow down. Yeah, yeah. So it's slightly different for you, I suppose, being a being a sort of custom-only business. And you've probably got yeah. more, more value from it than than others. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, I still find it very interesting. I've mentioned this many times on the pod, just how, how domestic some of the the team sponsors are still when yeah. it's such a global audience, you yeah. know, Movistar and, and Quickstep and the Koenig. And, and, you know, I just find it quite interesting. There must be opportunities for big global brands and that are still there to be capitalized. Yeah. I, and I, I'm with you. I agree uh, with you on that. Like, you know, especially when you see the amount, the amount of like, take the tour, for example, the amount of exposure uh, that yeah. a Jersey per se, you know, can get, is phenomenal. Uh, the the it's unbelievable. So yeah, I don't really know why um, there hasn't been that level of sponsorship. But you, you remember as well, like it, pro cycling and pro sponsorship. You know, we're talking 30, 30 to forty million euro budgets at the most, like at the very high end. Yeah, which which is not a lot in world sport. Um, you know, you no, it's not. That. Yeah, it's a it's a short short sponsor for Real Madrid or something. You know, it's like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, it's it's I, I, that's the thing I've always wondered, right? I mean, do you have those teams with with very regional sponsored? You know, are they as motivated to go down to the 
tour down under because it's not going to be mm. the same audience it's, you know yeah. there's, a bit, there's conflict there, i'm sure uh yeah 100 percent. and um you know i think that especially you know in 2020 with the um you know with COVID and all the dramas there but the the, the length of the season and i know the teams do sort of push back on that is you know you you're racing from january all the way through to november yeah and you know you've only got 30 riders or 25 riders or whatever the case may be and there's a lot of races that you've got to go to now. And I know it's very difficult for them to manage that. But that's 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 the game that they're, that they're in now, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And as a cycling fan, what, what's your, your favourite race of the year that you you, you can't miss, uh, you love watching? I love the uh, I love the spring classics. Probably um I, look I like that the whole that whole couple of weeks. So, you know, uh, Flanders and Roubaix, they they're my they're my favorites. I, I don't know why. I think it's just the I think it's that generally you get the the the, the strongest rider wins most yeah. times. Yeah. Um, and they're just know, a brutal day on the bike, aren't they? That's what yeah. I love about them. It's, yeah. it's just hard. Yeah, 100%. And, and like you and I, maybe we, we can't replicate what it's like to do the Tour de France, but we can certainly go out and smash ourselves for six hours and understand what that's like on, you know, for a, a, a day race. So, yeah, you can you can understand that and um yeah so that for me that that's 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 the pinnacle i mean obviously the tour is great as well but yeah those those races are, are, are what i enjoy the most very good and, and in terms of where you're at at the moment obviously you moved moved back to sydney what a yeah. year or two ago now what what are you are you still involved in champ system and and if people are listening and interested in custom they can get in contact yeah 100 percent. i mean i so i came back to uh sydney pretty much this time last year funnily enough just right right before this uh this covid stuff kicked off and um you know i haven't been able to get back but yeah look we're we're still um kicking along it's it's been a pretty pretty tough year you know for us but i think it has been for a lot of people but yeah we're we're, we're going okay and um we're you know we're looking to to push forward into 2021 and um you know we're we're uh we're, we're going all right so yeah no we're we're moving along i'm probably looking to sort of travel again early next year and and one of the first things i i need to do really is is go and see all, all of our officers around uh, around the world and, and get a sort of understanding of, of where they're at and, and what's going on and you know obviously take my bike with me at the same time which i miss yeah absolutely that's that's an absolute must well cool look if anyone's listening wants more information on champ system we'll, we'll put chris's details in the show notes and, and tell us a little bit about the netball thing as well sure yeah so uh my um uh my business partner and now uh, i guess life partner if that's the right word um she's been involved in netball for many many years and um it's something that we 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 we, we wanted to look at and diversify our way into and, and you know netball is probably not that that well-known sport in places like you know the US but in the UK Australia New Zealand it's a very popular sport yeah. um, and actually pretty similar to cycling the way that it's run locally you know so very club oriented you know it's uh, generally run by committees and all that sort of thing so we're, we're, we're very experienced in in how the club sort of scene works and so yeah we took that that experience and put it across into netball and same sort of thing we're looking to develop some different clothing and some things that netballers may not have considered in the past uh and push that in but um yeah that's been that's been going pretty well again 2020 was was a bit rough uh for that but we've we've got unify set up in um uh, australia and in new zealand also in the in the uk so that's going to be a big focus in 2021 again as well 
Very good. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's maybe it's just an Australia thing, but that was another thing that's taken me back from the times I've been over there is, again, another big participation numbers in netball, right? I mean, a lot of people play for clubs, play weekly, and I was quite surprised. It's, it's a big thing. It's a massive deal. Like, you go down on, um, you know, on a, generally on a Saturday morning in any any suburb in, in Sydney or Melbourne, and you'll see hundreds upon hundreds of, of uh, netballers playing all day. Uh, it's a it's a massive it's a massive massive. I think it's I think it's number two female participation sport behind um, behind soccer or football. Sorry, oh, really? in, uh, in Australia, yeah. So it's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought hockey would be up there, but that's really interesting. Yeah, netball's a big um, deal. Yeah, yeah. Very good, very good. And look, you mentioned traveling there. Where, where your your favorite place to ride your bike in the world? Oh, we've got a uh, our European office is based in the. Um, southern part of switzerland in the ticino region so just over the just over the italian border and i i love it there the riding there you you know you've got great roads you can you know, ride around the lake there's a, a, a the the loop around the lake is 160k um you go from switzerland into italy um you catch a ferry back across the lake back into switzerland uh fantastic ride uh, there's plenty of climbs the weather's, you know, even in winter, it's not really super cold. But I, I just love, uh, I just love riding there. It's, you know, it's a fantastic part of the world. So I think that would be my my favorite area. Very good. Yeah, bring back travel. We, I think many, oh, many of us are very keen to traveling again. <laughs> and uh, I just to finish it up, which we give give a shout to your 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 former team up in up in Hong Kong obviously did a bit of racing there and and I loved how you were one of few sort of expats that that went and, and rode with, with, with the local team tell, tell us a little bit about the team and, and how you found that yeah so the I mean the racing scene as you know is, is very different in Hong Kong than it is in in most places in the world you know, it's a very dedicated bunch of of, of us who who race up there because you know it is so uh, so hard to to get racing done but um yeah I uh, I I sort of whilst i was up there was trying to it seemed to me that the, the, you know the expats would ride with the expats and the and the locals would ride with the locals and you know it, it, yeah. it was sort of there's a bit of a disconnect there and nothing bad but it just never really went on so i decided i'd, I'd join a um uh, a, a local team and, and ride ride for those guys and you know i did training rides with them we, we'd race together we went away did a couple of races in china and uh, what have you and uh, i really enjoyed it it was it was good to it's just good to understand you know what those guys like about cycling and i would say their passion for cycling is is uh, is is much higher than mine like they they're real gear nerds like they know everything about every single thing that's coming you know where it's come from how much it costs where the best place is to buy it you know how many watts it saves they're right into it yeah and you know and they like the racing as well you you mentioned that sort of slight slight divide i think you sort of helped bridge it in many ways right well i i you know i don't know um i I definitely that was my that was my goal you know it, it and i think it i think it did just because you know there was an opportunity to for you know some of the some of the western teams to see that there was a you know a western guy in in this local team and have a bit of a chat about that and i think you know i think it's good it, we raised the level of competition up there as well and everyone was sort of joined together and you know I, I think it did it did help to do that uh in some way yeah yeah no i definitely did and it was a good bunch so for for all of them listening, we'll say hi to everyone. We are missing yeah. Hong Kong. I'm certainly missing riding Hong Hong Kong. Not missing some of the races though. There's some pretty sketchy races over there, aren't there? <laughs> well, but that was the thing. That that was all that they had. So you know, you just you just hooked in. I still uh, 
I still I don't really miss the uh, you know the one hour trip to the race for a fifteen minutes uh, crit. But um, you know you did what you did. Fifteen minutes that's generous, right? That was awesome. yeah. <laughs> some of those some of those yeah hour and a half for a three three lap crit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't think they've had anything. They've had no racing up there this year at all, from what I understand. So, uh, yeah, it's no. been been a bit rough. No, bit tough. It has been. Look, I've taken up loads of your time. Firstly, sorry for for the sort of internet disconnecting oh, no, and connecting no, no. and all going on with there. But thanks for your patience and thanks for taking the time. Being great to chat. We'll, we'll put all your details in the notes. So if anyone's interested in in custom kit or or netball kit do get in touch with chris and any questions i'm sure he'll happily answer them and um stay in touch won't you mate no i appreciate it jules and just quickly like thanks for doing what you're doing with uh with the pod um i think it's really great you know i've been listening to a couple of the episodes and um yeah uh, keep keep cracking it's excellent thanks mate good stuff excellent all right mate we'll speak soon good luck with the rest of the race season and we'll catch up very soon thanks mate appreciate it bye, bye. thanks for listening please subscribe to the podcast And more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.